Maybe I shouldn't have started with Hannity. His brand of commentary is the equivalent of pure black tar heroin for conservatives. Way too rich for my blood. Hi there, this is Gary. Welcome to episode 89 of Diary of a Senior Geek, recorded on Friday, February 19th, 2021, at about 19.30 hours. That would be 7.30 in the evening. As usual, let's get started with some news and opinion. I don't watch the news! According to the BBC, Anthony Blinken, newly appointed U.S. Secretary of State, has stated that, quote, America is back, unquote, and is fully engaged in helping resolve issues including the pandemic, climate change, and Iran's nuclear ambitions. How refreshing! Also, I'm way more amused than I should be that our new Secretary of State's name is A. Blinken. I know, I'm easily pleased. Yesterday, the U.S. Mars rover Perseverance successfully landed on the Red Planet, set down gently by a rocket-powered sky crane that looks like it was designed by Rube Goldberg. The sky crane is used to minimize the dust and debris kicked up from the surface by the rocket engines. After Perseverance cuts the cables, the sky crane lifted off to crash land a safe distance away. Perseverance is healthy and already sending back pictures and other data. The rover will explore an area the science team has informally named Canyon de Chez after a national monument not far from the Grand Canyon in Arizona because it has similar terrain, I'm assuming. Perseverance's initial two-year, that's one Mars year, mission is to search for signs of previous life on Mars. If Perseverance follows in the footsteps of previous U.S. Mars rovers, it will continue to explore long after its official mission is over. The Curiosity rover, which landed on Mars on August 5, 2012, is still active seven and a half years later. Two earlier rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, continue to function for several years after their official missions were over. I have every confidence we'll be getting new data and photos from both Curiosity and Perseverance for years to come. Back here on Earth, protests of the military coup in Myanmar continue, resulting in the shooting death of a 20-year-old woman, Mia Tue Tue Kiang. My apologies if I mangled that. My suspicion is that the military in Myanmar misread the pro-democracy mood of their citizens and they've bitten off more than they can chew. I fervently hope that they come to their senses and restore the democratically elected Aung San Suu Kyi to power before there's more bloodshed. Just call me a cockeyed optimist. And finally, in news nobody cares about, some woman who's basically famous for being famous is filing for divorce from a guy who apparently has no boundaries or moral compass. I think he's some kind of musician. Well, well, I, 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 I. This week I'm going to continue to discuss Ezra Klein's book, Why We're Polarized. And we're going to continue discussing it over the next few weeks, because I think he has a lot of good insights. For instance, in Chapter 6, titled The Media Divide Beyond Left-Right, on page 158, Klein tells of a group of political scientists who attempted to see if Democrats and Republicans could be moved closer to the political, quote, center, unquote, by exposure to the positions of the opposing party. 1,220 regular Twitter users were paid to follow a bot retweeting, quote, elected officials, media figures, and opinion leaders from the other side, unquote. 
The results were fascinating, at least to me. Quote, we find that Republicans who followed a liberal Twitter bot became substantially more conservative post-treatment, unquote, write the authors. Once again, continuing the quote, Democrats exhibited slight increases in liberal attitudes after following a conservative Twitter bot, although these effects are not statistically significant, unquote. So here's my experience so far. I kind of tried this experiment myself. A few years ago, I accepted a challenge from an evangelical conservative friend of mine to read a book by Ben Carson. I think it might have been Gifted Hands. I challenged him to read The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, which changed my life. In the book I read, Dr. Carson documented in excruciating detail his failure to successfully separate a pair of conjoined twins. Both died. I wasn't sure what the point of all that was. He also gave his reasons for being politically conservative, an evangelical Christian, and anti-abortion. I didn't find his arguments compelling, and it seemed to me he made several logical fallacies. Needless to say, I wasn't convinced. By the way, my friend's review of The Untethered Soul was something along the lines of, this book is for people with lots of problems. That's not me. Now, as I said, I found Singer's book to be life-changing, but fair enough. Then, several months ago, I decided that to try to understand what was going on, I was going to watch the first 10 minute of Sean Hannity's show on the Fox News Network about once a week. That experiment only lasted about five minutes. I don't exactly remember what he said at the beginning of his monologue, but it was so out of touch with reality, I had to turn it off. I'm not saying that I disagreed with what he said. I'm saying that what he said was either lies or completely out of touch with objective, measurable reality. I felt like I needed a shower. I couldn't understand how anybody could take this stuff seriously. Maybe I shouldn't have started with Hannity. His brand of commentary is the equivalent of pure black tar heroin for conservatives. Way too rich for my blood. But after that five-minute exposure, I have no desire to continue with my experiment. I think it's interesting that liberals tended to stay pretty much where they started on the political spectrum after being exposed to conservative views, while conservatives became even more conservative. I have a hypothesis that liberals tend to be evidence-based, i.e., given this particular set of circumstances, which appear to be causing that problem, maybe we should try this action over here to resolve the problem. Meanwhile, from my perspective, conservative views tend to be revealed knowledge plus magical thinking. Adam Smith said this, Jesus said that, Ronald Reagan said some other thing, and it is not acceptable to question the holy writ. Again, this is from my point of view. If you're a conservative and you come across evidence that your dogmatic belief in, for instance, supply-side economics, does not work in the real world, you must double down, believe in it even more fervently. So, conservatives have bought into, COVID-19 will disappear like magic. Human-caused climate change is a hoax. Lower taxes for the rich and large corporations will increase investment, creating new jobs for everyone. Immigrants are always bad and must be kept out. All Muslims are terrorists. If everyone claps, Tinkerbell will live! So, it seems to me, when conservatives are exposed to liberal views, they double down. They have to. If they don't, they might be wrong! And that is unthinkable. In my experience, people who base their opinions and actions on evidence tend to be more comfortable in their own skins. 
they also tend to have liberal political views, again, in my experience. In general, when presented with new evidence, liberals and progressives can be persuaded to change their minds. Maybe not right away, and they might go kicking and screaming, but eventually they can change their minds. But when presented with lies, conspiracy theories, ad hominem attacks, straw man arguments, etc., liberals tend to just dismiss the source as unreliable, and it doesn't have that much effect on their core beliefs. For what it's worth, I have a sinking feeling that I'm verging on some straw man arguments today. If you think I am, please send me feedback. SeniorGeek49 at gmail.com Anyway, to me, it looks like there's a huge gap in the way people see the world. Some of us want certainty, to be told exactly the way things are, no questions asked. They want to cocoon in their certainty and only talk to and get their news from people who agree with them. Others are comfortable with doubt. They can devise a hypothesis, test it, and see if the evidence supports it. If not, they use what they learned to revise the hypothesis or come up with a completely new one and try again. They keep trying until their hypotheses, beliefs, come close to matching the world they see around them. This is what I strive for. I suck at it, but it's what I strive for. So, that's the way it seems to me. In my humble opinion, the only way to grow is to allow yourself to be wrong, change course, and keep going even if you have to give up a cherished belief. And this has been working for me for a long, long time. It's not easy, but it works. This is an anathema to those who want everything to stay the way it is, which is the definition of a conservative. How do we resolve this conundrum? I have no idea. I know way too many people who are stuck in certainty. If I invite them to come out and play in the world of doubt and hope, it mostly just makes them angry and drives them deeper into their circle of certainty. I'm still devising hypotheses and testing them out. Not much luck so far, but I'll keep at it. Note that everything I said after Here's My Experience So Far has nothing to do with Klein's book. That's all me. He has a lot more to say. We'll get back to why we're polarized next week. Eh. So I'm bringing back the quote of the week. This is a long one, but it's fitting. I think it's much more interesting to live not knowing than to have answers which might be wrong. I have approximate answers and possible beliefs and different degrees of certainty about different things, but I am not absolutely sure of anything. There are many things I don't know anything about, such as whether it means anything to ask, why are we here? I might think about it a little bit, and if I can't figure it out, then I go on to something else. But I don't have to know an answer. I don't feel frightened by not knowing things, by being lost in the mysterious universe without having any purpose, which is the way it really is, as far as I can tell. That quotes from Richard P. Feynman, the uh, famous physicist. And uh, I love it. It's, uh, it's how I try to live my life. And now for something completely different. Me. This show is boring. Boss. Again, this is a Zoom meeting. Yep, that's another AARP newsletter joke from the Marquis at El Arroyo, a Tex-Mex restaurant in Austin, Texas. If you have feedback, and especially if you can send me better jokes, send me an email at seniorgeek49 at gmail.com. Ah? My Patreon page is at patreon.com slash seniorgeek. If you can... Please pledge at least $2 a month. Once again, thanks to Sam Coulter and Greg Balin for their continued support. Want me to give you a shout-out? Then pledge. 
If you have an Apple device, open the podcast app, search for Diary of a Senior Geek, and rate it five stars. I mean, if you think it's worth five stars. You have no idea how much that helps. Send me feedback at SeniorGeek49 at gmail.com. That's it for this week. Uh, that's great. Listen, you're a real hoot. Wear a mask and keep your distance when you're out in public. Black Lives Matter. Be the bigger person. Try to listen more than you talk. Occasionally consider that you might be wrong. And remember, you are going to be okay. This is Gary Fisher for Diary of a Senior Geek. Peace. Up next, the masterful performance of Mayor Poot Buttigieg in his Senate confirmation hearing this morning. You know, that's almost exactly what I said last week, so I'm going to cut that whole thing out. Do you suppose I could buy back my introduction to you? <laughs>